Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to season two of Welfare, the weekly running podcast with me, Amy Lane. There's a common misconception when it comes to running. People think that you need to run in order to get fit, but so many of the trainers I've worked with say that it's the other way around. You actually need to get fit and strong to reach your running potential. F45 champion this belief with their no-ego functional full-body workouts, which can support a runner's training regime. As a regular F45 goer at my local studio in Peckham, I'm so happy to partner with these guys. Head to www.f45training.com forward slash welfare to learn more about F45 and how they can help support your training too. Welcome back to Welfare, everyone. Oh, hasn't it got cold? But that's not going to stop us running, is it? So let's learn about how we can run better today by using our apps. Abs and six packs and core workouts is a subject which I've spoken about a lot over the years because although I do have quite a chiseled midsection, I am quite fortunate because I think it does come down to genetics a little bit. Although I have learned how to train my core properly so that it improves my running, which is why I couldn't be more chuffed to be doing today's episode with the amazing Shona Virtue. She is very outspoken on this subject and is always talking about the real core workouts you should be doing and not necessarily doing the stuff which you see on Instagram, which is ironic because she is a very big Instagrammer, along with being one of David Beckham's trainers. More to come on that. So, That's what we're going to chat about today. She's also going to take you guys through a strong stretch. So do listen to the end. Or if you are listening to this when you're on your way to work, remember that at the end of this show, there is going to be a 10 minute stretch. So next time you go out on a run or do a treadmill session in the gym, it is there for you. So you can go back and use it right then. Let's get into this week's news you can use. In today's news you can use, I'm talking about the app which has really helped me finesse my speed work. If you followed me on Instagram over the past year, you'll know how much benefit I got from regular track sessions. Basically, I learned how to run faster in those sessions, which made me faster overall. However, spending the whole of Monday evening at Battersea Track isn't always doable, especially when life has got so, so busy. And so I had to look for another way to include my speed work. And I've got to say, even though I can motivate myself on a treadmill, doing it week in, week out was really, really tough. And so I found this app called Aptive. Using Aptive, you can choose your workout and then listen to the cues for when to speed up and slow down or increase gradient when on the treadmill. I really rate the 30 minute sessions because you can get them done on a lunchtime. Honestly, it's been the best app investment I've done in a long time. So if you guys are struggling with treadmill workouts too, hop over to the app store and search Aptiv, that's A-A-P-T-I-V and download the app. There is a cost for the monthly subscription. However, I personally think it's worth it. Now we've got the intros and the news you can use out of the way. 
Let's do a quick shout out. This week, that's going to Emma Holmes, whose sunny outlook on races is something I think we can all learn from. Rather than be downbeat about her race time at Ormsby Hall, she channeled her energy into coming back stronger with more effective and prescriptive training. Emma, your post on Instagram was great. Uh, Please keep sharing how that goes with us. We'd love to see. Right then, let's get on with today's show. I am in the studio with the brilliant Shona Virtue. Thank you for having me. Shona, so for years, rippling abs and a steely core has basically been seen as the marker of health. But Mm -hmm. I know that you don't agree with that and you have some new, more modern thinking on what is the true marker of health. Mm -hmm. So should we start with, first of all, what is the virtue method? And secondly, are abs a marker of health? Okay, so let's start with the Virtue Method then. The Virtue Method, um, so my last name is Virtue. It's not, it's a real name. I didn't make it up. A lot of people ask me if it's a stage name. It is not a stage name. Um, So I created it. So my background, to give you a very quick uh, Cliff's Notes on the whole scenario, was that I was a gymnast. Um, I was an elite gymnast. And so I had a lot of strength and a lot of flexibility. I... Quit gymnastics when I was about 13, 14. It was going in the direction of like you either go to the Olympics, train train for that, or you kind of have a life. And so I chose life. Um, and I went into dance and dance was absolutely incredible and I absolutely loved it. But I started to lose the strength that I had from gymnastics and I just had the flexibility. And then to try to heal injuries at the time, it was like big to get into yoga. So I was like, okay, I'll go to yoga and I'll, I'll just like try and protect my injuries. And when I did, I exacerbated them. So I kept even pushing for more flexibility and had no strength to support it. So this has been a long, long journey. Um, I've been a personal trainer and a yoga teacher for over 10 years now. Because it is an interesting combination. It's an interesting combination. Exactly. So the Virtue Method is essentially the culmination of all my experience as a dancer, gymnast, personal trainer, yoga teacher, whereby I combine and prioritize in equal parts strength and mobility. So a lot of people get confused about what mobility really is and essentially what mobility is and how it differs from flexibility. Flexibility is your passive range of motion. So it's basically being able to sit on the floor in the splits, but there's no ability to necessarily produce force like that. So mobility is like how well, what your range of motion is in an active way. And so the virtue method is about trying to cultivate that as much as possible. So supporting your flexibility with strength and also supporting your body and the way it moves with enough mobility to facilitate your ability to keep running or to do whatever it is that you like to do, whether it's like Saturday night swing dancing classes (laughs) or random things. But yeah, so it's just as human beings, our bodies need to be able to move. So a big part of the virtue method is essentially making sure that you can move better, more effectively, so that you can continue to do the things that you love to do. And why then does core play such a big part in that method? Because I know it's one of the things that you cite within your plan or kind of the when you're talking about your plan. Okay, so a lot of people, and you must have heard this, think that they sort of point to their, their six pack when they say, I need to train my core. And I'm like, okay, that's one aspect. But what core really is, is and there's arguments about this within the industry, but it's really anything that stabilises your spine, Yeah, so that can actually include back muscles. I personally believe that it does include your pelvis and and the musculature around the pelvis. So this is why I include glute training within the core training. And some people do, some people don't. There's sort of two schools of thought there. 
The reason that your core training is so important is because, well, I mean, it essentially stabilizes us. It stabilizes our movement, our trunk, right? Our spine allows us to move. The way that it is shaped is so brilliant and beautiful, but without any stability, we're just going to injure ourselves. Other things that the core does is like helps us fart and poo and cough. And like, those are all like pretty important things. So I don't know about you. I love taking a shit. So it's like, I want to be able to do that well. And for without problems, as I get older, it's holding our organs in place. And like I said, it's holding our spine in place so that we have less potential for injury, so that we can rotate, bend, extend all of those wonderful things that we need to be able to do as human beings. So does the word abs kind of like wind you up then or like when people are like (laughs) abs workout? I mean, it's so funny. I go through phases, honestly, because one of the things that I get frustrated about is, yes, there's been such a push towards like having a six pack and, and that sort of thing. I get it. I totally get it. We, I love that. Like, who doesn't love looking at a like you know a badass man or woman with a, with a six pack? I love your six pack. So I'm like, I don't think we should be necessarily shaming the concept of mm. aspiring to have one, but the notion of ab training is awesome. I love training abs. It's just it's really important to understand the difference, like the difference between just training your rectus abdominis. And should we just have a little breakdown of like the anatomy? Yes, let's like a do super that. quick one. Essentially, um, if we imagine the deepest layer, and this is a layer that often gets neglected. This is your transverse abdominis. Okay. So it's your deep kind of corset layer. Right. Now, this is the part that, um, like I said, pooing, coughing, all of that sort of stuff, laughing is facilitated there. Okay. So it's really super underneath. There's no way for us to kind of point to it because it's underneath everything, right? You can't keep. Yeah. What what I keep doing is like wrapping my stomach. (laughs) I keep kind of like stroking my stomach. But transverse means like it's going across. So that's what we need to consider in terms of the direction of the fibers. Anyway, you don't really need to know that. But then the next layer is your internal obliques. Okay. And what's really interesting about them is that they also help to pull the rib cage down. Okay. Mm. So if we think about breathing, how much our, obviously, like that's where our lungs are within yeah. our rib cage. So it helps to also facilitate breathing. If we have overextended ribs, particularly when we run or in any position, then it's very hard for our diaphragm, which is this beautiful kind of umbrella shaped muscle, to actually work properly. So the internal obliques help to pull the rib cage down. Then you've got your external obliques, which I feel like they're the muscles that like pink made really hot in the 2000s. <laughs> I mean, I know we're still in the 2000s, but the early, the early, no-, no, what do people call them? The noughties. Noughties. The noughties, yeah. exactly. Do you remember? She just was so badass and she had these like massive obliques that stuck out on the side and she wear those low-waisted pants. And anyway, not pants. What do you say? She was Trousers. so your girl crush, wasn't she? One of. One like, of. I feel like, yeah. But also, who else? Like, um, TLC had them. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I love, like, they made obliques, external obliques, sexy and famous. So I love them for that as well. Um, and then your rectus abdominis is the top layer. And that's the six-pack layer. That's the, the one that everyone sort of thinks about when they think, mm. I want abs or I want core. Something that's really important as well, just to note here, is that when people are like, um, my upper abs are fine. I just need, like, lower I need to work my lower abs. I'm like, well, that's still the same muscle. So your rectus is like one muscle. Activating lower fibers is where it can get a little bit harder. But please note that just by training your lower abs does not mean that you're going to get rid of 
belly fat. That's important to remember. It's not about you could do thousands and thousands and thousands of crunches a day and you would have a great rectus abdominis but it doesn't necessarily you'd have a functional core and this is because it's so much more complex than that. So for instance, yes. I had the visible layer of abs. Mm-hmm. Years what do you mean ago. had? No, well, I you still, still do. got it. Mate. Um, but I I think it's potentially genetics in my family. Like mm-hmm. my nan still has abs at mm-hmm. 76. My mum mm-hmm. still has abs. My sister doesn't, but she takes after my dad's side. Um, <laughs> but actually I had the the top layer of visible abs, which you're talking about, but not the lower core strength. Yes. Okay. And so you can have some muscle, but if you don't have the right muscle, it still doesn't really do much for your body. Totally. So so exactly. And I think one of the things to note is that, yes, we have made it this pinnacle of health or this mm. sort of, yeah, it's sort of the... Um, ambassador if you yeah. think and it, and it shouldn't be necessarily just that so the shape of your abs can also affect how visible they will be as well and that's something really important to remember as well if you're one of those people that's like but I just want to have them and I totally get it sometimes it can be a question of trying to build and high petrify your that rectus abdominis if we're talking pure aesthetics here and we want to stay away from that just right for now like this is not a podcast about the aesthetics of of getting abs but just little side note if that's something that you want to do you need to hypertrophy the actual rectus abdominis and that is a scary word for a lot of women like women are like wait what like I need to grow I don't want to grow I want to shrink but I hope that makes sense. That, Little side note. No, that does make sense. So I obviously found that when I started to do more core work that my form just improved across life, right? So I walked better and I ran better and all of these things because, like you said, like I had a better midsection. Mm-hmm. Why Why do core workouts improve your overall movement and therefore running? Okay, well, like I said, to facilitate movement, we also need stability as much as we need movability or flexibility. So with the shape of the spine, I mean, if you think about your midsection, there's a lot of you've got your organs, but you've also got a lot of like kind of it's kind of squishy. Right. So that means we we don't everything there is being supported by muscle. Yeah, it's not like it's being supported by the structure of bone, particularly between your pelvis and your ribcage. Right. So. If you didn't have good awareness of your core and good neurological connection to those that muscle tissue, then essentially you have this whole section in your body that's like just soft. So you need to support it, yeah? And so that's how it then supports your movement. You cannot have movability without some stability as well. So as a trainer, would you always say that when you start any kind of like new journey, whether it is running or something else, that core is a fundamental part of that? I would. I would say that, particularly because these days, I mean, I just think core awareness and anatomy should be something that's taught in school. The key things that I find that I'm commonly coming back to is like glute strength, core strength. And that's why I created the Virtue Method, because it's really about activating glutes, activating core and not just activating, but becoming aware of that musculature. You said two things there. So first of all, becoming aware of your muscles. Mm hmm. Yes. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Well, so one of the things that I commonly say is if you spend all day sitting on your butt, you cannot expect it to just switch on when you decide to go for a run or when you decide you're going to lift weights. You need to kind of 
put your mind into that muscle prior to training it. And one of the important parts of a, a warm-up essentially shouldn't just be to kind of like get blood flow through the body, but it's also to prime your nervous system in a way that's going to help you, but also to activate tissue. So wake it up to kind of go, okay, what do I need for this run? If, for example, I need my glutes to be active. I need my hamstrings to be active. I need my core to be active. So you need to spend time. If you spent nine hours of your day sat behind a desk, you need to spend like at least a bit of time sitting there going, okay, my glutes, okay, switch them on, cool, my core. Yep, cool, what's that? And there are various exercises that you can do to make that happen. Which was the second part of my question. Go for it. So activating muscles, be it a core, be it your core, be it your glutes, has been one of those terms which the media, I know because I'm part of it, (laughs) um, talks about a lot. Like how do people go about doing that? Because you've just mentioned that we need to do it, but how do you actually do it? It's a great question. Okay, so one of the things that I think sometimes gets lost in translation as well through Instagram is there's a difference between activating and exhausting. And so one of the things that I often see is people will do a huge set with, you know, they've got their bands out and they do their glute activation work and they spend like 20 minutes doing like basically a glute burnout. So ideally, that might be fine if that's your entire workout. But if you're about to go for a run, that isn't what I would do because you're obviously then fatiguing the muscle. So it really doesn't take even just one to two sets of certain exercises will support it. So some just to give you some, so you have a bit of a takeaway here, is a single leg glute bridge is really beneficial because um, that movement in and of itself, um, and by the way, you can Google that term, single leg glute bridge. I'm sure it's probably on your wall. It's definitely yeah. on mine too. <laughs> I was going to say, you must have that on your Instagram. So Absolutely. It's we will definitely. pop that in the show notes, guys. Amazing. That link. Yes. So single leg glute bridge um, will is very similar to some of the shapes that you make when you run essentially, because um, you're activating your glute to lift your hip off the floor. You also have to stabilize your core to stop your spine from just like kind of bending throughout that movement and to hold your pelvis in position. So that is one of my absolute favorite, not just glute activators, but hamstring and core activators too. And you only need to do like one to two sets. You're not trying to fatigue. You're not trying to get this like, if it's not burning, it's not working. It's like, just wake it up. Just feel it. Start to feel it. So I do I do those and I do dead bugs as well. Oh, I love a dead bug. Amazing. I was like, is she going to like it? Yes. <laughs> no, no, I love a dead bug. Absolutely. Because that, and that's, it's quite, the only thing that I, the reason I didn't throw it out there is because I think it can be really bastardized. Like I think it gets performed really incorrectly. And I know for a fact that you perform it correctly because I think Luke kind of got you onto dead bugs, didn't he? Yes. yes. Luke Worthington, shout out. Um, <laughs> essentially with the with a dead bug, there needs to be awareness of your transverse abdominis and your rib cage positioning in, in particular. And so when I see dead bug being performed a lot of the time, those ribs are like flaring right up and I'm like, ah, those internal obliques are not active. And so there's not so much core awareness going on. So it just has to be performed very particularly. So yes, either myself or Luke jump on his page for an example of that. We will put that also in the show notes. We'll link Absolutely. to it, guys. Because I actually, when you've just said about forming them, I do like when I'm not aware in my warm-ups. So sometimes if I've come running in, like running into the gym from my desk, I know that I've got 60 minutes to do a workout, so I might be jumping on a treadmill. I still always do my warm-up. But if I don't really, really focus on what I'm doing, 
I can get through a couple of reps. And then I suddenly realised that actually my body isn't at like 90. My knee is actually somewhere towards my nose and I've got my phone still in my hand because I'm Instagram storing what I'm doing. Totally. And then actually it's kind of a bit pointless. It's kind um, of a bit pointless. And you're retraining a, a, a movement pattern in a dysfunctional way. So you're actually just reinforcing problems that you probably already, already have. have. So this is another, and this is another reason why I created the Virtue Method was because I really wanted to make sure that people took some time prior to their workouts to kind of disconnect from every day-to-day life, just get into their body. And that's, you know, whether that's 10 breaths of just lying there, still genuinely sending your awareness through your body and just arriving in the room. And the breath is a really good way to do that. The breath also really helps with core activation Mm -hmm. as well. So it's one thing to say like, oh yeah, I've got this like warm up that my trainer gave me, it's 10 minutes and to just kind of go through the motions. But again, yes, as you say, you were wasting, potentially wasting your time or even at worst, you are reinforcing movement dysfunctions that you had before. Yeah, honestly, it makes such a difference to me when I'm like, right, I'm now doing this. Like, let's focus. And even like for my runs as well. So I used to be able to, before I put in this activation, mobility kind of beginning warm up thing, it's a bit of everything. I used to be able to get out of my door, probably get like nearly a kilometre down the road and then be like, oh, I'm running kind of almost. Do you know what I mean? Because I was still like, my mind was still back in the house yeah. on like everything else. Um, and it's, yeah, it's funny. So I I now use this activation session, Time which I do. like. Time to connect. Exactly. Time to really connect. One of the things which people asked me on um, Instagram before coming into the studio today was that when they do these warm-ups or potentially just ab or core exercises, that they often get pain in their lower back. Is that to do with form? That's usually to do with form, yeah. Yeah. Unless they have like a a pre-existing contraindication or, or condition, it will most likely be form. And that's, again, why it's so important to learn it properly and probably not necessarily learn from Instagram unless it's my Instagram because I really do try um, to make sure that I work through those dysfunctions and the common ones are you know hyperlordosis which is like hi- hyperextension through your lower back um, so we a have a curve. natural so a big curve so we have a natural curve at the lower spine and we have a natural curve at the, the top of the spine mm-hmm. um, sorry not the top by the neck we have another one there so there's this S shape which we all obviously know about when we think about our spines and the reason that they're there is obviously to facilitate movement to be able to take force when we land um, so that we're not, you know, kind of like landing really stiff. But basically, we want to make sure that we can stabilize. I keep coming back to the same words and I sound like a broken record, but essentially we need to be able to stabilize those those shapes. And I think when sometimes people are doing core exercises, they're so used to activating other muscles because maybe they didn't have very good awareness of their transverse Mm. abdominis and their deeper layers of musculature in the abs that they're overusing their erectors, which is a a back muscle, or something else. It it really depends, and I can't really give like a blanket view, but essentially it could just be that the wrong muscles are activating during those times because they're used to trying to compensate for a weakness somewhere else. I'm the living example of that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? We all are. And that's the one thing, you know, 
I don't want to be this person that's coming on here and being like, well, make sure that you're not dysfunctional and make sure because th- sometimes it can be so overwhelming that we're like mm. uh, almost to the point like this is how I feel sometimes about sustainability or like the environment. <laughs> I'm sort of like, oh, God, everything I do is wrong. And so I'm just going to not breathe and not do anything. <laughs> and I saw actually a great um, a great post that was shared recently where they were talking about um, are we going into are we starting to is perfectionism getting in the way of being good and or just goodness? And I think that we can apply that to our workouts as well. Like I, yes, I want you to strive for, you know, executing something, but not necessarily perfectly, but at least safely. But you're still doing good if you're moving your body, particularly if you spent nine hours of it being just still in one position. So don't let yourself be overwhelmed if pain is a really good teacher, yeah. if you are experiencing pain, then I would really recommend that you try to unpack that and understand where it's coming from. And just know that sometimes the cause of your pain is not necessarily the source of the problem. And that's really important. And sometimes it does take going to see someone, mm. even if it's a couple of sessions with a really great personal trainer that really understands rehab and, and posture and things like that that can just say to you, okay, I'm going to give you these three exercises. You're going to work with that. It doesn't mean you have to see them every single day or week. You could see them once a month or twice, you know, over the course of a year just to try and check in and get the right form. That's a really good point, actually, because I used to feel like when you have a personal trainer, you have a personal trainer who trains you all the time. But actually, you might not need you don't need that personal trainer necessarily for every single workout. But what you need them to do is to show you how to reach your end point. So like how to help you on your journey. And I used to do this thing with Luke, who we've mentioned, where, you know, I couldn't see him all the time. And so I would have one session at the beginning of the plan where he basically took me through every movement. Yep. On a plan and we filmed it. Excellent. And then I had that on my phone. And, you know, I, I work, as everyone knows, I work at Women's Health. I, I work on a lot of fitness content, but I can still feel like I don't know what I'm doing in the gym. But by just having that kind of like little video library exactly. of my own, I was like, oh, that's where my knees should be. Yes. Or, that's where that should be. And it just, I felt a lot less helpless. Totally. And a lot more effective in exactly like, in the gym. Exactly. And one thing I will say is don't be afraid to go and speak to a trainer in a gym. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for some some free advice as well. Like they're more than willing to to, to give it. You know, I spent a, a great deal of time in my early years as a trainer walking around a gym floor. You know, obviously, yes, I was prospecting for clients, yeah. but essentially I just wanted to talk to people so you know otherwise you're standing around I mean a lot of the time they're just standing around trying to look busy because otherwise you're like oh god I feel like a bit of an idiot standing (laughs) here so go and ask them and utilize that that the it's such a great opportunity to be like can you just check my squat form and they'll be able to give you some insight they're not going to ask turn around be like that's going to be 20 pounds mate it's like they want to obviously help and so you may learn something not all trainers will be that willing but just go and ask go and ask yeah If you want to get fitter and faster without adding more impact to your week, then let me recommend that you check out the strengthening classes over at F45, the sponsor of today's show. By building a stronger, more stable body, you can help prevent injuries further down the line. Thanks, F45. We've talked about good form. Mm -hmm. Now can we just talk about bad form? Sure. There is so many core workouts, ab moves, whatever you want to call them, flying around Instagram and the internet. Mm-hmm. What are some of the dumbest that you've seen? Oh, oh, okay. 
Do you know what? I have to say, I'm going to get like a little disclaimer before I say this. I would say that there's no, this is actually to quote Brett Contreras here. He talks about this a lot and I love it. And he says, there's no contraindicated exercises. There are only contraindicated people. And so what he's saying by that is there's no such thing as a dangerous exercise. There's just bodies that aren't ready for that. Yeah, because ultimately, I mean, obviously there is. Like, if you were to, like, I don't know, like, hang off a TRX upside down, like, maybe that's probably potentially a little bit, I mean, why would you do that? But, again, if your body is prepared for that and you can do it, if you're stunty and you need to be able to do something like that stunt performer, by the way, that's stunty, um, <laughs> then, you know, that might be something that you need to do. So, again, it comes down to the body and the body's needs. Specificity is a principle in strength training, but it should be a principle that we all understand. Is like, what are you training for? So that is a disclaimer that I will say is that, yes, there are so many stupid workouts there online, but who knows what the context is? Like, perhaps if you are like an acrobat, that might be really beneficial for you to understand how to stabilize on a Swiss ball with weights on your neck. I mean, (laughs) no, it's not. But anyway, we we can argue that later. But essentially, what I will say is that I don't want to necessarily like slam every potentially stupid workout. What I will say is that Squatting on a Swiss ball is um, really stupid and dangerous. So unless that is part of your acrobatic act... Don't copy that one. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Um, Training on an upside-down BOSU, again, unless you are a tennis coach learning to really... Or, or, or your tennis coach had suggested this for ankle stability or rehab or something along those lines for ankle stability and proprioception, again... No, it is not going to help activate your TVA more because you're on an unstable surface. It's just not the way it works. So you can basically achieve a lot without going to such extremes. Exactly. Oh, can I also just like, yes, while we're here, those ridiculous mountain climbers from the wall are so stupid because, by the way, once you start putting your feet up, yeah, up a wall. I don't know if you've ever seen a mountain climber is like, how do we explain this? You're in a plank position or a high push-up position and you run your knees one side to that. So like you're, you'll lift one knee. Are you about to direct? I can refer back to okay, a post of mine in 2016. Amazing. Before I found out how to properly build a body for life. Okay. And it was not upside down against a gym wall. Right, exactly. (laughs) So these upside down mountain climbers, Google it so that you can see. But basically, it's not really training your TVA because once you change the angle of your spine in that way, Mm. you're not really putting a lot of load there. The load ends up in your shoulders and your wrists. And a lot of people that perform these don't have the mobility required for that kind of position. So they're really just aggravating two joints that aren't really prepped for that kind of thing and you're not even doing an effective core thing you're not activating abs really that much it's just really quite a pointless exercise and it's more dangerous than it is beneficial so please stop that please stop now stop now you and you guys you need to you need to listen into that one just showed her a spoken please stop <laughs> um but what i love about that is you've basically just said understand why you're doing the exercise exactly and know what benefit you want to get yes like Exactly. If, if your life is going to be made better by running up upside down on a wall, fine, but your body probably isn't going to be kind of thing. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. Unless that's your like Saturday night like party trick, then, then you don't need you it. You might probably not really need to do it. So we've spoken about the muscles, what not to do. 
We've also spoken about how to activate your core. Should we quickly move on to if a runner came to you? Mm-hmm what core movements that you would get them to do within workouts so essentially it depends on the it depends on the person and where right. the, where i saw their weaknesses so for some people I'd be like, wow, like you're really pronating through your feet. You're really like your arches are really collapsing. So we might spend a lot of time actually taking their shoes off and working through feet movements. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. stability. Um they might be complaining about knee issues. So I'd be like, all right, well how how active are your hamstrings and your your inner thighs, your adductors? Um how active are your glutes or how how well do they activate when you're running and also not just when you're running when you're getting in and out of a chair. Um so it really depends on the body. Uh so I can't just say that here are the exercises that I will do, but these are the things that I will normally check on. It's like, okay, is there pain anywhere? Okay, there's pain maybe in the hip. So let's look at why that pain is there. What we need to to do to correct it what's your range of motion at these joints how much movement do you have at them because ultimately one thing we also all need to kind of take into consideration is you're in between your joints you have what's called synovial fluid and that's a really important fluid for the joints um it helps to get nutrients to the to the joint also we want to get like toxins out of the joints as well mm. so what actually facilitates that fluid there is movement so if your movement at a joint is compromised the synovial fluid is also going to be compromised right so the health of that joint is compromised and so to be honest whoever the person is that comes to me i'm looking at two things i'm looking at how well their musculature supports their structure and then i'm also looking at how much range they have versus how much range they really should have mm. for that particular joint and then you work out strength exercises and then we'll there. work out strength and then exactly because i'm not going to load up a movement that they're not capable of doing very well ideally and that's you know that's personal training that's very specific to the person yeah. we don't all have that luxury so that's why i created the method because i was like right we need to then still make sure we're doing mobility as well as weighted stuff and one of the main reasons that i think that a lot of people start a running journey and i've also got stats from this from google is because people want to lose weight mm-hmm. and people really people are googling like will running help me lose belly fat because all of that I can kind of like assume from that is they are looking for a flatter stomach, maybe some definition. Mm-hmm. Will running basically give you abs? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so funny. There's so much benefit to running. You know, we're bipedal creatures. Like there is just so much benefit for us actually doing cardiovascular training that is steady state and that isn't super taxing on the body in a way that like a HIIT training session would be, right? So there's a little like part of me that wants to say, yes, it will, because I know that if I say that, you're probably more likely to do it. But the truth is, is it would be irresponsible of me to lie to you and say, <laughs> yes, absolutely running. I mean, it's too it's too general. Mm. It may help with the calorie deficit that you would need to facilitate to drop body fat, whether it comes off your belly or comes off your butt. I, I can't say because every single body is different mm. and body fat accumulates and and disappears at different rates and at different places for different people. So again, it's really difficult to say and to, to just kind of like, yeah, drop in like, sure, or no, absolutely not. It's really not a black or white answer. But if I could just I, I get that it's so motivating and I, I really do. And it's really, it's silly. Like, but you know, you and I, we both have like what someone would define as like a flat stomach or mm. have abs. And so it's very easy for me to sit here and say like, don't worry about it, guys. Just yeah. do it for other reasons. I get that it's a huge motivator. But if you can just put it to the side and know that it will contribute in some way to dropping body fat potentially, but you also have to be in a calorie deficit in other areas of your life, then Focus on all the other myriad of benefits that you're going to get from this. Like, I mean, there's just so many. Um, and probably you could do a whole podcast on each yeah. of the benefits, literally. Um, different systems of the body, metabolic, immune, you know, f- nervous system benefits for moving in an endurance-based way. And just focus on them and then just run. Just do it. Just Please get out just there. do it. Just get out there. And know it will help. And know it will help. Exactly. It's never black or white. And just know that that's the answer for all of them. Yeah. So like if anyone gets out there on the gram or anywhere and tries to say to you, this will help you lose belly fat. <laughs> please just know that there's no way that they can honestly say that. There's not a black or white answer. So just anywhere you've seen that on the internet, there's in fact one of the most clicked things definitely is anything that says belly fat on the internet. Yeah. Literally, you will click on it. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like losing fat doesn't happen in isolation. So right. you have to get, you kind of, you have to get all your ducks in a row, right? Exactly. One caveat so, that I will say is that there is, <laughs> there was research that came out that showed that spot reduction can happen in the legs if you're training, like it does happen if you're training the legs a lot, but not, it's not every so Like there's no way that we can ever say Definitely, but we can't say definitely not as well now with spot reduction. In certain body parts, it does Does actually help. Yes, exactly. But for belly, no, no, no. One of the questions which somebody sent in for me to ask you was, when people are really time-pressed, is it okay to be doing a core workout at the end of a treadmill session or should you be keeping those training types separate? Oh, no, no, no. As long as you do it afterwards. Because if Mm. if you're doing your ab workouts before you get on a treadmill, you're potentially fatiguing your your transverse abdominis, these important stabilizer muscles. Um and, and that's then, when you'll wobble around. And that's when you'll wobble <laughs> around. And you won't and you won't realize. Yeah. And then you'll Yeah, kind it's of, not like you're just gonna be like Bleh. No, exactly. You're gonna fall into a heap. <laughs> I mean you might if it was like the night after something. But it's like, you know, it could it it's basically you want to keep that afterwards. And that's absolutely totally one hundred percent fine. So activate run. And then do your like, yeah, your hard, more hardcore ab training afterwards. It's totally fine. And another question that I had for you from the IG community was, as a trainer, what would you say to somebody who says, 
I've been doing all of these things. I haven't seen any results. I want to give up. That's a really good question. So it depends on the person because I, when I work with someone one-on-one, I try to like know all their secrets early on. Um, and so then I sort of manipulate them um, and guilt them. Into, no, I don't, I don't. But, um, but it depends on the personality. But what I will say is that, and this is why I keep trying to change the narrative online, everywhere um, in the media, is like let's stop looking for these sort of like 12 weeks too. This is why I do not not do transformation pictures around weight loss or anything like that with my program because fitness is not a destination and I know it's really cheesy and we've all mm. heard it before but it's true you're doing this for life guys what happens at week 13 a massive binge you know yeah. Ibiza and you know you lose it all no you're in this for life guys and your ex by the way exercise is something we made up we made it up. We made it up to compensate, essentially, if it's if we're not an athlete, we made it up to compensate for the lack of movement we now do. Okay, so it's like... Isn't that so interesting? Right. That it basically all happened because of the fact that we all are like, our careers change yeah. and our jobs change. Society and changed. Pe- people we, became sedentary. Yeah. And we got fat. And we got fat and we sit in chairs and we got sick. Not yeah. even just fat, but we actually got sick. sick. Yeah. And so that's the thing is your body needs movement. So there is, I get you want results. I really do. And just trust me that every day that you spend moving your body in a healthy direction is a fucking result like the, so that see is that a as a result yes measure your success differently now please i'm sorry for swearing so much but <laughs> it's like that question really triggered me but in a really good way because i mm. get it i do get it and it does feel like that for a long time but it's like if we can change the narrative and by the way it's not just um it's not just consumers of of fitness content that need to change the narrative as trainers as influencers we all need to get out there and be and stop saying like I'm doing it for this, you know, wedding or whatever it might be, or I'm trying to go on a cut or I'm doing it's, it's like, no, we're doing this because we're in it for life. And we're doing this because I don't want osteoporosis. I don't want to have, you know, a dysfunctional immune system when I'm mm. older or now even. And also, isn't it funny with quick fixes? Because like the thing is, if you want to lose weight, you can just have a big poo, right? Like yeah. you, weigh, you weigh yourself, yeah. you have a big poo, you go off the scales, yeah. you've lost weight. You've lost weight. But our weight fluctuates daily. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. So it's and, and also women, we have to remember, we have to respect the menses, you mm. know, and the menses will change. We have more weight fluctuations than than men, just naturally based on our cycle. And so that's something worth paying attention to as well, because if you're basing your motivation on the scales or on your reflection even, yeah. you're at the mercy of something that is in constant fluctuation. So therefore mm. your motivation will be in constant flux. And that's what we want avoid because that's that kind of like binge and restrict cycle or the kind of like on the wagon off the fitness wagon cycle which we've all probably had at some point in our lives talk to me about training david beckham (laughs) (laughs) is she gonna do this we're talking about core workouts he obviously has a very strong core from the looks of it what workout now and see hang on i'm gonna ask you a question back what does that mean to you like when you say from the looks of it well exactly so i've just kind of shot myself in the foot there because people i don't totally have done that (laughs) okay um no but i like it because what because this is good let's unpack this because essentially we look at bodies and we think that we can determine how functional or not functional they are. And we just can't. A six pack does not denote health, right? We know. It also does not denote that they have a functioning core. So training David Beckham, he's an athlete. He has very good body awareness. 
in ter- obviously I can't go into the details of specificity yeah. because client what, what I didn't even know I always forget what it's called client well, com- well, it's just client confidential yeah because in my head it's attorney client privilege but that's you're what I was about to lawyer. say <laughs> and I was like I'm not a lawyer hang on a sec not not since I last checked but yes is so- he motivated or do you have to or did you have to be like drop down and give me temperature no now. to be honest he's very motivated He's abs- he sees the value. And I think that comes from a lot of athletes. Like I definitely have a similar motivation whereby my body has always been, because of the fact that it's been a big part of my career, even from a young age, there's been a sort of secret underlying motivator too, which is like, I need to take care of it because it's a big part of my career. And that's something that's important for you guys to remember because it's very, again, it's very easy for me to sit here and say, be motivated for life. But it's like, yeah. I've grown up with that. My my deepest psychological you know I started gymnastics when I was four years old so yeah I rolled in a thing called jumping jelly babies and they took me out of that and put me into an elite program so it was it was very much something that's been in part in a part a deep part of my life so Mm. you have to remember that when you're looking at Instagram if you feel kind of like deflated like holy shit mate that woman is always motivated yes I am because it's always been part of of my life so when we look at athletes when we look at certain people we have to remember that and not be disheartened, but we can still try to emulate their behavior and and find value in the same way that they do. So I would say for any athletes that I've mm. ever trained, be it David, be it other people, they have a similar intrinsic motivation that comes from, and it's very consistent and it's very calm and it's because they really value and respect their body. I love that. That is such a good point to finish on because basically we've been talking about abs. So rather than guys just seeing abs for what they are, see them as part of your core and the value that having a strong core can bring to your running. Absolutely. And your life. Guys, if you have liked that chat and it has, you know, sparked some more interest in learning how to train better and potentially with a more structured and well-rounded plan... I'm going to plug Shona's plan, the Virtue Method. You can get it on your website, right? You can get it on my website. So just head to uh, shop.shonavirtue.com or shonavirtue.com works as well. And I've got a mobility program coming out, actually, Mm. which is, uh, again, it's funny. It's a 12-week mobility program because one of the things that sells best is when we say it's 12 weeks or it's six weeks or it's eight weeks because that's how our mind works. But just know that it's a program that you can come back to forever, really. And that's the same for the Virtue Method um, weighted program. So this is mobility. So it's not yoga. There are yoga postures within it, but it is not a yoga program. And the reason I wanted to move away from that was because we have to remember that yoga is for many types of different bodies can be an extreme sport too. Because if you spend nine hours a day at a desk, when you go and do yoga and make these weird pretzel shapes, it's quite a lot on the body. So the mobility program is about prepping and taking care of your joints. And how many days a week is it? So there are there's an upper body sequence and a hip sequence. And so I ask you to do it a minimum of once a week each. Right. There is a daily sequence as well, which is 10 minutes. You just do it in the morning when you wake mm. up. And if you can, and if you have a particular goal around your hips or your upper body, then I would say add in more and give more time to it. Do it twice a week or three times a week. But for the most part, yes, it's just one upper body, one hip, and then a daily sequence. Doable. We will add the link to that in the show notes. Do keep listening. Shona is going to take you through a really juicy stretch in a minute. Thanks, Shona. Thank you. So welcome to the practice. Thanks for joining me for this little cheeky stretch that we're going to do. Now, one of the things that I always say is that you're better off and it's more effective for your body 
to do a little bit every day than just some long yoga class once a month, you know, that you manage to get to. So this is awesome for us to just try and squeeze in at the end of a run. Um, But you can also use it as a bit of a prep as well. So we're going to try to hit both things. It's the focus is on your hips and your ankles. Um, These are areas that really can get neglected, particularly the ankles and the feet. So what I'm going to get you to do is you're going to take your shoes and your socks off. So we get nice proprioception through the feet as well. Now you can do this anywhere. I'm sorry if you're doing this outside and you happen to be lying in wet, mushy grass. Maybe it's best to wait till you get home to do this one. You don't even really need a mat, but it does make things a little bit softer as well. So we're actually going to start lying down on our backs. So come to lie down on your back and get nice and comfy. And I'd like you to lie in a position in yoga called Shavasana, which sounds really romantic and kind of exotic, but it actually just means corpse pose. So I want you to lie there like a corpse, which I'm sure isn't going to be too difficult, particularly not after a run. So extend your legs out straight. Your arms are by your side. Palms face up at the ceiling or sky if you're lucky to be outside. Close your eyes and just tune into the breath. So part of a cool down especially is that we want to really calm the nervous system. And the way to calm the nervous system is to actually slow down the rate of our breathing. So we're going to take a deep breath in through the nose. Hold it at the top, nice light pause. And then open your mouth, exhale. Let the breath release and keep breathing out. Even when you think you haven't finished the breath fully, get all that carbon dioxide out. Good, and we'll do it again. Take the breath all the way in through the nose. Hold it when you get to the top. Now keep holding it here. Feel that expansiveness. Take an extra sip of breath in. Really spread the lower ribs. Take the breath right down into the base of the rib cage. And then open the mouth. Exhale. Let the breath release and keep breathing out, breathing out, breathing out. Notice how it relaxes you. Your body melts down into the floor even more. Your jaw relaxes, face relaxes. We'll take one more. So take the breath all the way in through the nose. When you get to the top of the breath, hold it. Keep holding it. Feel the lightness, the energy. We're stimulating the sympathetic nervous system when we breathe in. So that's the part of, that's your fight or flight mode. So keep holding, keep holding. Take an extra sip of breath, in fact. And then we're going to release it this time with the mouth closed. So just out of the nose, exhale. Feel your body melt down. And this is stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system, the nervous system that's in charge of rest, digestion, repair, Netflix and chill vibes, basically. Okay, so allow your body to relax. Now from here, I'm going to get you to interlace your fingers and extend your arms up above your head, stretching your feet, your legs, your whole body, kind of like you're just stretching in bed. So really lengthen up, lengthen the body in two. Take a deep breath in as you do, stretching your spine, lengthening. And then hug your knees into your chest as you exhale, squeezing the knees all the way in. And keep squeezing in here. Good. Nice tight squeeze. Keep your head on the floor. Some of you may have lifted your head there. And just start to rock from side to side, massaging out through the lower back here. And then we'll come back to center, stillness. Keep hold of the right leg. Let the left leg extend all the way down to the floor. Okay. So from here, what I'd like you to do, this pose is called Pavanmuktasana, another very exotic, romantic sounding word, but it really means wind removing pose. Okay, so it's this is not a word, but it's going to deflatulate you, which is wonderful. Okay, just make sure no one else is around or if they are around, it's great that you have that kind of relationship. So you want to 
compress, what's happening here is you're compressing your ascending colon. Okay, so we're getting this compression around the digestive organs by hugging that right leg in. Try to hug without activating too much of your upper trap. So relax your shoulders, relax your jaw. And just stay here in this position. Relax your stomach, relax the front of your hips. Now with your left leg that's extended, we just want to do a little bit of ankle work. So all I'd like you to do is point your toes, plantar flex. Yeah, so really point your toes. That's it. And then you're going to pull your toes back while your foot is pointed. And then we're going to start to then dorsiflex. So it's like you're you're flexing your ankles, so pull back. And now your toes are pointing up towards the ceiling. Or if you've got lots of good mobility in your feet, they're probably pointing towards you, towards your chin. And then we're going to move, reverse that movement. So then you're going to start to plantar flex, but not with the toes. So keep the to- toes facing you or up to the ceiling. And then the toes are the last to curl around as you start to point. So start with the toes, pull them back, peel them back, and then we start to flex into dorsiflexion. And then start to move through plantar flexion, toes, the last thing. We'll do one more rep on that left side. And then begin to point. So I want you to really feel your feet. They're so important. Okay. We're going to take that right knee or right leg across the body down to the floor for a twist. So just take it across all the way down. It comes down to the floor. Use your left hand to hold your knee down. And then from here, extend your right arm back behind you or out to the right. So you start to open up through the chest here. Don't force anything to the floor. Here's what we can do. We can use the breath to relax us, which will facilitate that relaxation through the body so that we can maybe melt deeper into the natural range that we have without forcing anything. So just take a deep breath in and then exhale, sort of melt into this position. And then come back to center, bring it back in, hug the knee into the chest and release it all the way down to the floor. Okay, interlace your fingers, extend your arms up above your head, point your toes, lengthen, inhale, and then hug both knees in towards the chest, squeeze them all the way in. Okay, keep hugging the left knee in this time and the right leg extends down to the floor. So we're hugging that left knee in towards our armpit a little bit here so we get this compression for our descending colon. Keep the shoulders relaxed, the jaw relaxed. Now let's work through our plantar and dorsiflexion on the right side. So point your foot all the way through down to your toes. And then from here, reverse the movement starting at the toes. Start to pull the toes back and then move through the ankle into dorsiflexion. And then reverse it. Start to point. Really trying to isolate the different parts of the foot. And then peel back. Dorsiflexion. Good. And then back into plantar flexion. Point the toe and then peel it back. Just gaining that awareness of your feet. We'll take the leg across the body all the way down to the floor, coming into the twist. Your left arm is going to extend back behind you as your right hand comes to the outside of the left knee to just hold you into this twist. Take a deep breath in. Release a full breath out. Okay, perfect. Let's come back to center. Release the leg down, interlace your fingers, both legs out straight, stretch up, lengthen, inhale, and then hug both knees in towards your chest. Nice tight squeeze here. We're going to rock up and down the spine now. So rocking up and down until you get enough momentum to rock all the way up, come into an all fours position onto your hands and knees. 
And I'd like you to spread your fingers nice and wide here and grip into the fingertips so we're not dumping a whole lot of weight into our wrist, into our tiny wrist, which might not really be ready for that kind of weight. And then I'd like you to make sure that your knees are hip distance apart as well. Hands are shoulder distance apart. Okay, from here, lubricating the spine a little bit here. So I want you to take a deep breath in where you are. And then as you exhale, pull your ribs in. Start to draw the belly button in towards the spine and then round your spine, pushing the floor away and dropping your head down. So we're in this nice arched back. That's it. And then from there, you're going to inhale and reverse that movement. So drop the belly button down, lift up through the head and the hips, maybe a very slight arch through the back. We don't need to go into an aggressive back bend, but just starting to lift the head, gaze up towards the ceiling or sky, and then exhale round the spine. So starting to feel the spine round as much as possible, flex, and then we'll go into extension. Inhale, drop the belly, lift the head and the hips, heart opens, shoulders pull back, and then exhale, rounding the spine. You'll notice that I'm using the breath in synchronization with the with the movement. Yeah, so that takes us into a bit of a moving meditation. Again, inhale, open up through the chest, arching through the back, look up towards the ceiling, and then exhale, round the spine, pushing the floor away. Perfect. Come back into a neutral spine here. Okay, from here, we're going to take some hip circles. So, What I mean by that is you're going to, from this all fours position, kick your right leg back so that it's straight behind you. Okay, so just kick it out. Foot comes off the floor. Now, what I want you to pay attention to is did you let your stomach start to sag? Did your lower back start to bend? I need you to pull your belly button in and I want you to lengthen through the lower back. So actually almost lift it and tuck your tailbone ever so slightly. What that will do is mean that your glute, your right glute will have had to switch on a lot more. Okay, now with that extended right leg, I'd like you to bend it. Okay, and this is what we call hip extension. Okay, and from here, I'd like you to now bring that knee in so we go into hip flexion. And what that knee is going to do is come forward towards your right elbow as far as you feel like you can without compensating by rounding your spine. So I want a very neutral spine. Imagine you've got your favorite drink resting on your back. So we're going to go back into hip extension. Don't let your spine move. And then back into hip flexion. So bending the knee, bringing it as close to your right elbow as you can. Go back into extension, kicking that foot back behind you and then bring it forward. Perfect. Into flexion. Now, from this flex position, what I'd like you to do is go into abduction, which means the knee's going to come out to the side like you were a dog taking a pee on like a fire hydrant. I'm sorry, I couldn't think of a better analogy. So the knee comes out to the side and we're going to try to minimize how much we're moving the pelvis. So it comes all the way out to the side. That's it. And then move it around back into extension. So it goes into that movement we started with, hip extension. Then we're taking it forward back into flexion, then out to the side, around to the back in extension, and then forward again. Let's reverse the movement. Go back through extension, take it out into abduction, so out to the side, and then into flexion, and then back to extension. Okay, so it's coming around. So you can see what I mean by hip circles. Take it out to the side, bring it in towards flexion, and then one more time, this direction going into extension, out to the side, back around to the front, and then release it down. That is hip mobility. Yeah, that's not just stretching your hips in a passive stretch. That's actually making use of the muscle tissue and really being a being aware and honest of how much range we have in our hips. Let's do the other side. Okay, so let's go into extension. So that means you're going to kick that foot back, okay, on the left side. And then we're going to go into flexion. So then bring the knee towards your left elbow. Take it back behind you 
and then bring it forward. Take it back behind you and then bring it forward. So we're going hip extension and then hip flexion. It's good to understand the difference about these movement types. Now come back into flexion, so the knee to the elbow, and then we're gonna go into abduction. So we're taking that knee out to the side and then around into extension. So around to the back. Try not to move your pelvis too much. How's your core? This is really demanding on your core and it's such a great core activator as well. Bring it forward to flexion and then out to the side and we're taking that hip circle. We'll do two more in this direction. Bring it forward, out to the side, and then back into hip extension. Come back into flexion, bring it forward. Now, reverse the movement. Take it back behind you, out to the side, back to the front, and then go again. Pass through center, out to the side, to the front, pass through center, out to the back hip extension, to the side, bring it forward, and then we'll come back into our all fours position. Beautiful. Okay, I'm going to get you to come onto your back again. So we're going to sit down, come onto your back and hug your knees into your chest. We have one more stretch. I'm going to release your hips a little bit because they probably feel a little bit, if you've done it properly, you'll feel that your glutes had to work quite hard in that position. Okay, so on your back, you're probably thinking, I wanted a stretch. Hug your knees into your chest. We're going to do it right now. Place your feet flat on the floor, feet hip distance apart. You're going to cross your left ankle over your right thigh. Okay, just underneath the knee. And then everyone kind of knows this stretch. So from here, you're then going to thread your left arm in between your legs and you're going to grab hold around either the back of your leg or your right leg or the back of your right shin. Yes, you're grabbing your shin or the back of the leg. Start to pull that leg in towards you. You should feel a stretch for your left glute here. Now, to protect yourself, to protect your knee, this is something that often gets left out. I want you to make sure that your left ankle is not sickling. And by sickling, what I mean is I don't want it to be bending. Okay, so just move your ankle over to the right a little bit more. Okay, so that it's actually really above your ankle that that foot is placed or that that leg is placed. Okay. And from here, start to pull the leg in towards you. Take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, pull it that little bit closer. Take one more deep breath in. As you exhale, pull it in that little bit closer. So we're going deeper into the stretches as we breathe out, because when we breathe out, that's when our body naturally relaxes. Let's do it one more time. So inhale, don't aggressively pull in while you're inhaling. It's only when we exhale that maybe we start to increase the stretch ever so slightly. Okay. And then from there, release. Release everything. I want you to go back into that sort of corpse pose position. Interlace your fingers, extend your arms up above your head. Inhale, stretch, lengthen everything. And then exhale, hug your knees into your chest. Squeeze them in. Place the feet flat onto the floor, hip distance apart, and cross the right ankle or just above the ankle over the left thigh. That's it. So we want no sickling through the foot. Okay, your right arm is going to thread in between the legs, your left arm comes around the outside and you're grabbing hold either at the back of your left thigh or you're grabbing the left shin. Start to pull the leg in. Okay, so find your stretch range, take a deep breath in and as you exhale, start to pull in a little bit closer. Notice if you're taking tension anywhere else, like is your jaw clenching? Try to relax that. Your neck, relax. Eyes, relax. Take a deep breath in. Exhale, pull it in a little bit closer. Inhale. And exhale, pull it in a little bit closer. 
Beautiful. From there, release the legs all the way out. Come to interlace your fingers. Extend your arms up above your head. Stretch up. Big, nice inhale in. Exhale, hug the knees into the chest. Squeeze them in. And then from there, rock up to a seated position and you are well and truly done. Well done, everyone. Thank you for joining me through that stretch and activation. Now go hydrate. Okay, guys, you've heard this a million times, but please, please, please do rate, review and subscribe to this show if you liked it. It really does help other runners in need of some help find the show and join our community too. Don't forget to use hashtag welfare on all your IG posts because I love seeing them, especially when I can't be bothered to run. It gives me that motivation I need. Before I go, I just want to say a final shout out to F45 for supporting my mission of helping you guys get well fit so you can run well far. I genuinely couldn't have done this season without them. Head to f45training.com forward slash welfare to join a global fitness community like no other. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 